It's time for another hour of Reflections of Grace Outreach Ministries, Thursday weekly discussion with Thomas and Denise. We are the walkers, inspiring souls and removing the mask through the word of God. Join us as we discuss biblical topics with a life applicable approach. We talk about biblical topics such as marriage, purpose, loneliness, family, salvation, forgiveness, holiness, and so much more. We also have inspirational books and poetry that we expound on during our weekly program. You can subscribe to us on our YouTube channel at Reflections of Grace Outreach Ministries and join our Anchor Podcast channel. And now join us for another enjoyable evening. God bless. Amen. God bless. And thank you all for joining us today. This is Thomas Walker, uh, pastor of Reflections of Grace Outreach Ministries, and my wife, um, Minister Denise Walker. She's away on assignment, but she is here with us in spirit and in the Lord. I am so thankful that you all could join us today. I am so glad that you all took the time out of your schedules to join in again with us and for another day and another discussion as we talk about um, this week's topic. This week's topic, we're going to be talking about speaking over yourself and thinking a thing. So with that being said, I'll give you some time to think about what that title means and what it what it says, because um, I would really like for you to kind of really think about it, uh, what the title of it means, speaking over yourself and thinking a thing. So it's so important to really uh, grasp what the title is talking about, because so many times we we hear people say, well, just speak over that situation, it's going to go away, or well, so a man think it, so if he, which, you know, excuse me for adjusting my seat a couple more times, but, you know, I got to get, get a little bit comfortable, but, um, you know, let's, let's talk about that, let's talk about that, and, and um, I don't want to be long-winded today, but if God should, um, take over and we continue to talk, it's, it's going to be great, you know, and I see that my favorite person, Keisha, joined in tonight, and I'm, I'm so thankful that she joined us. Thank you for joining, Keisha. Um, hey, how y'all doing? <laughs> we doing good. Hey, hey. <laughs> Just so glad to hear your voice. Glad you joined us. Glad to see y'all good-looking people as well. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So... I'm going to start with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for another day. We thank you, Lord, that you have been so good to us. We thank you that you have strengthened us during these times and you have watched over us and you have led us in the right direction so that we can be blessed and prosperous in your name. We ask you, Lord, to decrease us in this discussion and increase your words and your thoughts in our hearts so that we can be a blessing to others. This we ask in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 So our scriptures tonight, are, we're going to be coming from the book of Numbers, which is the Old Testament uh, 14th chapter. That is our scripture reading for today. So if you have your, your Bible or if you have uh, your download, you know, please feel free to follow along, you know, and um, I'll give you some time to find that. And in the interim, you know, I wanted to talk about there's a, such a, a thing as positive and negative confession. When a positive, when we positively confess something, we are believing that God has the power to make something happen. However, when we negatively confess, we are believing that something bad will come to pass. This is what the 12 spies who uh, were sent to survey the promised land uh, did in the Old Testament. One representative from each 
of the 12 tribes of Israel was sent to survey or spy out the land that God had promised to give them. And most of them returned with the negative confession that the land was inhabited by giants and they were fearful and they didn't want to possess the land. And this land was the land of Canaan, where the Canaanites and the Amalekites live. God promised them that, that they were going to be in a land where they would live once they are fully delivered from Egypt. So God promised them that land when they were delivered from Egypt. However, the spies returned from the mission and they began to tell the tribes what they saw or perceived to be impossible. From this time, the tribes became fearful and angry at God for bringing them out of, the, out of Egypt to be destroyed. This angered God because of two actions that were taking place among them. The first action was they were speaking negatively from the 10 of the 12 spies, and that caused fear and doubt to run among the people. And the second thing that they did, that they were fearful and they brought fearful thoughts and accepted failure from the rest of the tribes that, that uh, of the, the thoughts that they had about what they uh, had encountered, uh, what they had seen. And the rest of the tribe uh, that heard this report, they became fearful and frightened and terrified. So as a result, God began to chastise them and chastise them in a way that revealed to them that they were not ready to enter the promised land because of their failure to believe solely in him for all things. It may have been okay for them to be fearful, but when they were terrified and they started to forget God's plan, and his power over his lives for that point, man, that's what made God angry. How many times have we said that we were like the, or how many times that we acted like we were the 12 tribes and fully doubted God's plans for us? Even when we knew <laughs> how good and how much greater God was or is in that circumstance, were we willing to turn our backs on God or, or do something else? Or did we try to manifest our own will in the situation by declaring and decreeing a positive outcome? Did we speak over a situation and look for the manifestation to happen? These things are all ungodly and should not be something to be played with. We must be like the remaining two spies that returned back to the tribe and believed that God could do all things and all things was possible. They believed fully without hesitation or thinking or speaking or declaring victory that, that God was in that circumstance. They knew and they believed that God, the God whom they had trusted and relied on all these years up to this time was able to help them to do the land. You know, as believers in Christ, it is important that our hearts and minds are always trusting and believing in God's plan and will for us. However, this does not mean taking on an occultist mentality about a situation. We must believe that all things work together for good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Finally, it is up to us to discontinue teaching people to speak over something and declare and decree something. Only God has the power to grant us victory over all things seen and unseen. So that's what I wanted to talk about tonight, because the children of Israel, their actions was what uh, made God angry with them.
here, if you remember the history, and I know a lot of people probably that's listening in will probably say, well, why is he always talking about Old Testament stuff? Aren't we saved by grace through faith? Should we be teaching about the New Testament? Well, yeah, I mean, all of these are correlative because the Old Testament talks about the psyche of man. The understanding of how man thought and how man processed God at that time. The New Testament talks about how man believes and have faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. So we have to go back to the man part in order to get to the trust part. Because if you can't see the downfall or the negative things that the Old Testament children of Israel did to anger God, then how are we going to know how and what we need to be redeemed from? So that's what's important. And when we talk about Numbers 14, and if you have your Bible, I'm not going to read all of it, but I'm just going to read the first five uh, verses and I'm going to skip through some of the others, you know, in a way where it helps paint the picture of what we're talking about. So the Numbers 14, starting at the first verse, it says, so all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it, would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But I'm going to the sixth, sixth, uh, seventh verse. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Yephuni, who were among those who had spied out the land tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, the land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. So that's the first uh, first eight verses of the 14th chapter, which really paints the picture of who the children of Israel were at that time, because God had delivered them from Pharaoh. God had parted the Red Sea form. God had made sure that their clothes did not uh, wither away, and they were fed, and they were uh maintain clothes. They did not die in the wilderness the whole time that they were there. So when they got to the promised land or close to the promised land, Joshua sent one representative from each of the tribes to go and survey or spy out the land, as the Bible says, to see you know, what's going on there? Because, you know, they just didn't want to walk in there blindly and not know the situation. So they went and 10 out of 12 came back saying, oh, it's these giants over there. It's these people ain't no joke. They over there killing babies. They over there sacrificing stuff. They over there doing all types of abominable things. Oh man, we, 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 can't, we can't go over there. Don't go over there unless, you know. And that paranoia and that pandemonium spread among the rest of the children of Israel, the rest of the tribes, and they began to, to get fearful. They began to get angry. They began to get mad. They began to doubt God, you know, and remember, we're talking about uh, speaking over yourself and thinking a thing, 
See, once those 10 men came back and spoke over that situation to the rest of the tribe, fear, anguish, pandemonium, everything. They just forgot God in all situations. And, and they started thinking differently than what they were uh, witnessing in their past. They thought and they, they saw and they, they witnessed the power of God in their whole, in their walk from Egypt all the way up to this point. So in their thought process, they knew the God that they served was able to deliver them. But when the 10 came and spoke that into their minds, their thought process changed. When they were going through the wilderness and, and yet they complained, but they still were going along. But now this is at a point in their lives where they say, uh-uh, I'm not taking this no more. Enough is enough and too much stink, right? That's what their thought process was. And so they said, well, uh, why would we have come out here to be destroyed and our kids become victims? Then this is the part that, that we have to take real uh, notice of when they said, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Now, think about that. Here, God has delivered them from so many things. God had been in their lives. God has showed them that he is, I am. You know, he's the fire, the, the cloud, the miracles, the, the manna from heaven, the, the, uh, the birds. I can't remember what, I think it's pheasants or, or something like that, that they ate, you know, because they wanted meat. The whole time they was, they was in, the, in the wilderness being uh, led by Moses and God, they complained. They complained and had an issue with everything. You know how some people, they mind you know, you well, this is this thing, and I'm I'm gonna say this in all love and fairness, but this is what some people do say, and I've heard this before. But you know, you could take the people out of the city, but you can't take the city out of the people in a nice way, you know. And that's what happened when God took them out of Egypt, you know, they still had remnants of of their past lives. And God's want us to, to think differently when he comes into our lives. He wants us to uh, believe and trust in him for all things. Now, this other stuff that, that has been taught down through the uh, last few decades about uh, the word of faith and speak and declare and decree something, you know, I believe that a person should always have faith. Faith is the substance of things hopeful and the evidence of things not seen. And our faith and our trust should always rely and, and believe that God is able to do it exceedingly and abundantly uh, above all things that we could ask or think. However, we have been generationally taught that, oh, all you got to do when you pray, just say, I declare and I decree that this thing is going to happen or God manifest your way in our lives or we have to, Lord, let us be still to see the manifestation of your goodness. Now, see, all of those words, they sound good, but do you really know what you're saying? And I want to give you a couple of definitions that will help you to understand. See, because when we're speaking over or thinking a thing, that has power. And the Bible tells us there's life and death in the power of the tongue. That's found in Proverbs 18 and 21. And those who love it will eat its fruit. I mean, the more you talk and the more you do stuff and the more you start running your mouth about something, you got to face the consequences that come with it. That's to eat another fruit. So there's life and death in that power. So speaking life doesn't mean that you are calling and charging and you commanding God to do something. Speaking life means that you are, are you encouraging someone? That means that you are telling someone, hey, God loves you. Hey, I love you. What is it that you need? 
That is what the life is, because you're bringing hope, you're bringing joy, you bring a favor into that person's life just by you talking to them, and they see the empathy and the fruits of the spirit, you know, which is love peace, joy, uh, long-suffering, you know, those things, you're showing that, you're exhibiting those things in your talk to them. Now, the deaf part is when you're speaking against people, when you're talking, just like the children of Israel, they angered God. They said, well, would it be better for us to return to Egypt. Now, you know they had been in bondage for 400 and something years, and they know they did not have a good life there. They know they were eating mud, mud cakes, and they was doing all sorts of other stuff there that they did not like, and they were being oppressed and brutally handled in Egypt. But how are you going to tell a God that that showed his omnipotence and showed his power over the Egyptian gods. Uh, how are you going to say, I, I should have went back to Egypt? That's when you speak death. <laughs> That's that tongue messing up stuff. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. You know, so they had to eat the fruit. Now, they had to eat the fruit because there was no more life. The 10 spies that came to talk to them, uh, to tell them what they saw, they invoked their fear on the rest of the people because just because those ten didn't believe they can do it, they forgot God in, in in the midst. They forgot that God could do all things. God did everything. So that's what he's speaking and thinking. See, when we're talking to our kids, and I'm not trying to to be a, a child development. Uh, counselor or anything like that. But when we speak to our kids, right, and we're telling our kids, boy, you just ain't no good. You, gonna, you, you can't get nothing right. Go sit down. I'll do it for you. You know, now you speaking those things into his mind and in his thoughts, he's thinking, well, if mama say I ain't no good, then I must not be no good. If they if mama say, well, look at you, you dumb so-and-so, such and such, this and that and the other. You know how verbal words, you know, change the atmosphere in a lot of things. And especially with your kids, how you speak to a kid, how you talk to a child is how they're gonna uh, how they're gonna perceive themselves, their value. What would a child believe that their value is? You know, I had um I had someone ask me just last week, they asked me, well, what do you think your value is? <laughs> you know, and I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm a husband. I, I work. I, I got a job. I, I pay my bills. He's, he was like, no, take all that, scale all that back. You know, what if you didn't have those things? Exclude all of those, those accomplishments that you did on this earth. And let's talk about what your intrinsic value, your core value, what you believe your value is. And see, if no one was there to affirm your value as a child, if no one didn't talk to you and tell you and show you uh, what your value is as a child at your core, when you grow up, you won't know what your value is. You won't know how to define who you are and where and what you bring to the world. So because everybody's supposed to work, everybody's supposed to have a job. And those that don't work and don't have the job, have a job, the Bible says, if you don't work, what? You don't eat. So we have to have we have to have more than that in our lives. And some people, they go to school for years and years and they obtain degrees and they be, become a bachelor, master, and then a doctorate. And then you see them, they, they're really proud of themselves. But, you know, what did that say about them on the inside? Why was it so important for them to obtain so many of those degrees? Was it to satisfy themselves internally? Was it to prove something? Or was it to uh, show the world that they can be of value? So we have to look at those things when we are um, 
we we are talking and speaking to other people. Uh, are our conversations of value? Are our conversations and what we're putting out there in the world, are we putting out good things in the world so that God would bless it and be glorified with what we think and how we feel? Or are we like those 10 other spies that came in and start imposing our emotions and our thoughts on others that perceived everything to be negative? So that's what a negative confession and a positive connection is. We have to identify positive and negative things that goes on in our lives, because this is what was so important about this uh, these subjects in, in, in this passage, it showed the dynamics of, of how the children of Israel were hopeful. <laughs> the children of Israel had one strand of hope left when they saw the promised land. And then here, the 10 spies came back and they was like, no, we don't want to do this. No, no. And so all of that just went over there right there. Like, oh, and it just ingrained and the, the whole tribe, the whole children of Israel were, were scared and afraid. And guess what they tried to do? Now, two of them, Joshua and Caleb, now they came, they saw the same thing these 10 said. They were all together looking at the same thing. Isn't that something how our perception of one thing could be different from someone else's? And that's why it's important it is so important when we're speaking and when we're thinking about something, when we're, when we're in, involved in certain things and we see something, you know, our perception of what we see and feel could be different. You know, I often tell people that my common sense is not going to be your common sense because you ever hear people say, well, common sense should have told you that, you know, common sense should have told you that. Or are they looking at, at, at sideways at you because you don't know how to open a jar or something a certain way. And they say, well, man, common sense should have told you how to turn the knob like this and that and the other. Well, if you've never seen that jar before and you've never seen that top, well, common sense is not going to tell you how to open it because you never experienced it. But here, you know, they had the, 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 the group experience of seeing the land that they all spied together. Yet 10 went back and said, oh, it's something over there. We don't, <laughs> we can't go over there. But the other two, they were like, oh, wait, a, wait a minute. Now this, this, the God that we have been relying and trusting on, he has been able to take care of us up to this point. All we have to do is make sure that we don't anger him and make sure the Lord delights in us. See, that's the thing. They, he would, they, Joshua and Caleb was telling them, if the Lord delights in us, meaning they've been messing up the whole time. <laughs> I mean, they, they've been getting on God's bad side for a while now. So now, you know, he's saying, okay, let's, let's gather ourselves now. Let's give thanks and praise to God. Let's, let's give thanks and know and recognize who we're dealing with you know, recognize who's in our midst. And a lot of times we, as believers, we forget that we are men and women uh, who believe in God. We are men and women who have a faith and trust in the almighty God. So if God is for us, who could be against us? And we should always recognize that in our lives. That's me, that, now, that's if you have, a personal relationship with him. If you know that you know that God is with you, God is there, God has sustained your life up to this point with everything that's going on. So you don't have to speak over nothing or think nothing because you already know it's already done because you have faith and you have trust to believe that God is going to work it out. But see, the children of Israel, no matter how much God was there for them, no matter how much they, they saw the mighty works and the, the mighty acts of God, they still doubted. Now, after Joshua and Caleb said this, guess what they did? I'm going to go down. I'm going to go down a little further, you know. And what they did was the children of Israel, 
they started picking up stones. They started picking up rocks and they started mumbling around themselves. Like these two got among all of them said, don't worry. If we find, if God find favor in us, we're going to be able to take this land and it's going to be ours. Now, the 10 already spoke out and already changed the thought process of the, the, the whole congregation. Now, here these two coming, telling them, hey, wait a minute. Greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world, that we can do all things. Don't worry about it. The God who we serve by cloud by day and fire by night, he could do, we could do this thing, right? And that's that's their mindset. They're telling them, wait a minute, don't believe what they're saying. That's just them. And sometimes it's just them that have the negative thought processes. And you can't let that negativity get into your world, get into your thought process, speak over your life, because you have to understand when someone speaks over your life, that you can essentially, if you, if you look up the word um, witchcraft, and I'm, I'm going to talk about that a little bit later down the road, but not right now, but when people speak certain things uh, or they say certain things negatively over your life, that's a form of witchcraft. And God says that's an abomination. We are not supposed to speak over something or say something negatively to uh, uh, or about anyone. So when we manifest something, let's talk about the definitions of manifest and the difference in manifest and manifestation. Okay, because a lot of times when we're meeting people, these charismatic people, you know, they love to say that's the manifestation of God, that's the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, that's the manifestation. You know, you have to understand what manifestation is because it's not relevant to scripture, it's not relevant to uh, our Christian belief. Now, when we manifest, it means to readily perceive by the senses and especially by the sense of sight. Manifest means I can see it, I can feel it, I can touch it, you know, that's there, it manifests, there it is, right? However, manifestation is an occult phenomenon specifically to mean materialization. So we have to understand the occult phenomenon has no relevancy, no godliness when it comes down to Christ, no godly irrelevance to when it comes down to the Holy Spirit. All of these things are not materialized. These things are actions. These are unctionings. These are things that God and Holy Spirit and Jesus have done in the flesh and in the spirit. When you talk about materialization, that means you could just think something or speak something and it just appear like magic. This is not Harry Potter. This is not Bewitch, not Sabrina. <laughs> it's not the charm ones. No. So you have to understand those things. So when we think in terms of our spirituality, who we are as believers in God, and uh, redeemed by Jesus Christ and filled with the Holy Spirit. Materialization, speaking over something and thinking something, we have to get out of that because we have to believe and know that if it's God's will, these things is going to happen. Just because God said it, he gave us dominion over all things, he, gave, he said that to Adam. <laughs> he didn't say that to us. He said that to Adam. So we can't put ourselves in that same category as Adam because you know what happened to Adam, right? Adam failed. So although Adam was able to, to name the animals, name the, the, the plants, name everything on earth, that was his dominion. But when he sinned against God, he disobeyed God, he lost his dominion. So no matter what, uh, uh, another leader might come in and tell you, you know, you have the power to get wealth and you have the power to charge your atmosphere. No, 
they don't have that power. You could speak that out of your mouth and you could say something, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen. You could even by faith pray for some things. And if it's not God's will, it's not going to happen. You could believe that if you don't take this medicine or if you don't go to this doctor, that God is going to heal you. But if it's not God's will, then what? What are you going to do? So it's really important to remember life and death is in the power of the tongue. So what the 10 did to the children of Israel, they went there and they start speaking. They start talking about what they couldn't do. But then these other two came back and said, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. We could do this because if God finds favors with us, if God finds favor and, and delight in us, we can go in and we can subdue the land. But the damage was already done. See, sometimes you got to get away from people and places and things that feed you negative stuff. Because when they feed you negative stuff, you can negatively, negatively confess your, your blessings out of the window. <laughs> and that's exactly what they did because God was, God was angry with them. And God said, man, for all these people that's doing all this stuff, he said, uh, wait a minute. And Moses, he said, uh, uh, you know, even Moses fell on his face. <laughs> Moses and Aaron fell on their face. Now, what are they falling on their face for? Why are they down on the ground? Were they praying or were they just tired of hearing it? Were they tired of hearing the children of Israel moaning and griping? It's always one thing after another. Sometimes we get tired in ourselves and we forget to lean on God. Sometimes we get tired and weary because the road is hard. And it's okay to be that way. It's okay to have those times. And it's okay to have those, those instances and circumstances that come up in your life that you feel like it's, you're just all up against the wall. But we, we can't go into that negative confession. We have to stay positive. We have to stay knowing and understanding that God is still in the midst. You know, a great, another great example of that is um, Job. No, Job went through tremendous suffering and pain and trauma, but he still believed to the end. Oh, he, he, he got shaken and he got weary and, you know, he was punched out and he was on the ropes. You know, and he was ready to tap out, but you know, something inside of him, that faith, that trust, that knowing that God had did all those things for him, he said, the Lord give it and the Lord take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's the way we have to be in our life. When things come against us, that's insurmountable, that we can't handle and can't deal with in our own strength. We could be bent but we don't have to be broken. <laughs> we could be crushed down and not destroyed. You know, that's where we have to start standing. Instead of speaking over our lives, let's start speaking to God. Let's start speaking and saying, Lord, you know, this is getting hard for me. Lord, this is getting rough. I, I don't know what to do. I can't I can't take no more. Instead of speaking over and saying, I declare and decree that I'm going to make it. And you try to pump yourself up. No, don't pump yourself up. Deflate yourself and start, start trusting and believing in God. Because the Bible tells us all through that if God finds favor with us, <laughs> If the Lord's will, he will. If you believe and trust in Jesus, you know, if you confess with your mouth and believe, you know, these are things that are actions of humility that's showing that it's not you. You know, even, even the Bible tells us it's not I, but the Christ that lives within me, you know. So, wow. Uh, so many of these things are, are showing that uh, how we need to decrease who we are as human beings. So speaking of ourselves and declaring and decreeing all of that stuff, you have to be careful because we have no power to do that. 
that God says he has the power to give us wealth. He has the power to do all things that he has the power to deliver you from your circumstances. So the first thing we should be speaking, speaking, Lord, help me. Lord, forgive me. Lord, find favor in my sight, you know, so that you can help me. These are the things that we should be saying. Now, when we get to that place where we think we bigger and better or more equal to God to where we can start calling down stuff and charging off, you know, that's pride. And now you in that realm of being like those prophets. If you ever remember the story how uh, Elijah um, had uh, had uh, a uh, I might say Elijah had a confrontation with uh, Jezebel and her prophets, and they were like, uh, let's build an altar, let's throw some wood and water, and, and, and let's call down to our God, and our God going to bring fire down to, from heaven and, and light the wood. So they got up there and they thought, oh, well, uh, you know, and they started uh, their chants or their incantations or whatever it was that those prophets did at that time to their God. And the, the, the fire never came. And Elijah, he was there. He was like, okay, where, where's your God at? Maybe he's sleeping. <laughs> Maybe he's doing something else. <laughs> but that was a, a perfect example of someone in their own strength trying to call down something to happen. That's not something that God wants us to do because we are supposed to ask God, Lord, if it's your will, let these things happen. And that's what our prayers for. When we pray, our Father, who art in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So see, we ain't talking about our will. We can't just because we have faith. That doesn't mean that our faith is going to have a causative effect where things are going to just actually act, absolutely just happen. And we have to be aware of that. You know, we can have faith and we can believe and we can trust that it's God's will that those things will happen. Then we know if those things do not manifest itself, those things do not happen, then it was not God's will. It has nothing to do with your faith. It has everything to do with the order that you place your thought processes in. So that's important to know. We gotta, we really have to get out of, excuse me, trying to teach people how to, uh, to empower this and empower that and call down this on God because it's, it's God's will that things, these things happen. And that's the whole core essence and, and the premise of what our faith uh, stands upon. How can we say we have a God, an almighty God that can do all these things on this hand, but at the other hand, we got just as much power to be able to call down these things and do these things too. No, it doesn't work that way. God is almighty. He is omnipotent. He is all powerful. So we should be coming to him and humility, just as if, uh, and asking him, Lord, if it be your will, let this happen. And by faith, that's what you believe. And then if it's not your will, God, I thank you anyway. That's the way we, we begin to move forward and speaking and thinking a thing. When we're thinking and speaking with our mind and our hearts um, fixed solely on God, then God will, he will come and reveal himself in our lives. So another scripture that I want to talk about was, um, because there's so many, there's so many things that we can take from this, uh, this passage in, in, um, in Numbers 14 about the characteristics of who the children of Israel, the 10 uh, spies and the two spies and their actions in that one instance that 
pretty much changed the, the dynamics of who they were and who they were and are in that instance to God, because God got so angry with them and he was so mad at them that he said, well, maybe I'll just destroy them because they just can't get right, you know? And he was talking about just, just taking them from the land. But then Moses had to, um, you know, Moses had to remind him, but God, he felt rejected from them. He felt rejected because they said, okay, why don't we appoint somebody to take us back to Egypt? So that's saying to God, oh, everything that I've done for you up to this point, you're going to go try and do it another way. You're rejecting my guidance. You're rejecting my love. See, a lot of times we can reject God and not even think is that that serious when we say, oh, well, you know, first you say, I'm going to trust God and get this, get this, um, get this house. I'm going to trust God for this job. I'm going to trust God for uh, a new job. But then at, at the same token, here you are going behind God's back <laughs> and, and, and trying to do something else or, or thinking about doing something else or trying to uh, plan B, C, D, E, F, G when you gave your initial trust to God. So right now you, eject, you have rejected God's opportunity to work in your life in that situation. I remember somewhere in the Bible, it says uh, man's extremity is God's opportunity. And we have to give God or allow God to be God in our lives. We can't usurp God by thinking if we declare something and decree something that automatically those things are going to happen. No, no matter how much Holy Ghost you got, no matter how much spirit feel, no how much, you know, of the tongues and prophetic and all of that, you don't have that. You don't have that uh, usurpness to go over what God wants for someone else's in their lives. You could, you, could, you could ask in faith. You could believe in faith. You can humbly request in faith. But when you start commanding, saying commanding to God to do something, mm -mm. Even Jesus, Jesus said, if you say to this mountain, he didn't say if you say to God, he said, if you say to this mountain, be thou removed. So that's a big difference. The mountain was a manifest, uh, uh, perceived especially, uh, something that you could see with the sense of sight. That was a manifest. But when you start talking about the manifestation that you're going to just speak something and it materializes itself into existence. Now you don't went over, you don't went, you know, went a little bit overboard with that. We don't have that power. God has not given us that power. That power was something that was never meant to be man's power. We were always created on this earth to believe and trust solely for God to do all things in our lives. Adam and Eve messed that up because they believed in uh, the serpent. They believed when the, the serpent was used by the devil to, to uh, have them believe that they can be like God. See, we don't want to get to that place that we're in the same instance or in the same stronghold as Adam and Eve, where we want to be like God and start declaring and decreeing and speak that and name that and claim that and, and all power is yours because you are a ch child of God. You still ain't God, though. <laughs> so God is always telling us in the scriptures that he gives the power, he, he give us power. He has the power to give wealth. He has the power to do these things. He makes the sun to shine, the moon to go down. He makes it rain and he gives us breath and life to do what we're doing right here. So we should never get to that place where we think that we are greater than God. And I know a lot of people say, no, that's all about faith. It's all about our faith and our belief that if we have faith to do these things, then, then it'll happen. Well, yeah, but how many times have we prayed in our lives lately 
You know, how many times have we prayed for something and it didn't happen? How many times have we asked God for something and he did not give it? How many times that we fasted for days and we consecrated ourselves for days for something to happen and manifest itself and then it didn't happen? Well, that means that it wasn't God's will. It wasn't that your faith wasn't strong. It wasn't that your consecration maybe wasn't honored. It wasn't because, you know, your fasting wasn't in good, good, good uh, faith. It's because it wasn't God's will. And that's what we have to be cognizant of when we are going on this journey toward our uh, reconciliation back to him. When we're on our journey back to our reconciliation with God, that means we have to look at the scriptures, look at the Bible, look at what it's teaching us, and understand that we need the Holy Spirit to help us to understand what it's saying. Because false teachers and people will come and they will try to tell you that you are little gods. And, you know, if you look on YouTube, you can see people are out there talking and calling people little gods and baby gods and, and you know, uh, chosen people and all of that stuff, which I, I don't know if that's what you want to believe. You can. But Jesus said that you are my children. <laughs> you are my sheep. So my sheep hear my voice. So it, when we start talking about we're little gods and stuff, then we're like the Canaanites. The Canaanites had little gods everywhere. <laughs> you know, they had little gods everywhere worshiping them and they worshiping the gods, gods worshiping them. And they worshiping each other. And God had eventually had to destroy them. Because God said in his word, thou shalt have no other God before me. So if you're thinking that you are little gods and God-like, God got a problem with that. So he wants us to trust him and have faith and believe in him first and foremost before anything else. The Bible tells us that I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. That means through Christ. That don't mean I can do all things because I got faith and believe I can do it. No, I got all. I can do all things because I can declare and call down to heaven and and in my faith that I can make it happen. No, <laughs> no. Jesus was the only one that says, "Go, your faith has healed you." See, you see where the conduit is. The conduit is Jesus. Then the conduit is God. Jesus, God. Jesus, God, when something is supposed to be manifested in your life. So when we, we take out Jesus and we take out God and say, okay, I'm just going to say it and it's going to happen. Then you're looking at manifestation, materialization. Where is that? It's not going to happen. That's the, the, that's the thought process. That the, that's the teaching of um, of being more greater than God or being God-like. So back to the children of Israel, God was angry with them and God wanted to, to uh, get rid of them. <laughs> he said he wanted to get rid of them because um, they rejected him. And he said, I will strike them with pestilence and disinherit them and I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. Meaning he was talking to Moses, Caleb, and, uh, and, and Joshua. He said he just get rid of those that don't believe no more, those that are, are, are that, that got a between two opinions or rejecting him and want to go back to Egypt. He said, fine, I won't go back to Egypt. I'll just get rid of y'all. And I'll start with these three people, Caleb, uh, Moses, and, and Jacob. Uh, uh, and Joshua, I'm sorry, uh, you know, I just start with them. But then, you know, Moses had to uh, come to God and express to God certain things. He said, well, Lord, you know, if you do that, you know, all of, uh, deliver them out of Egypt. All the people that have seen and heard of the cloud of by day and the fire by night that you have, have shown yourself to be omnipotent over all things. Now, if you were to wipe all of these people out, 
the Bible says they said it as one man, meaning that you're just going to take care of all of them. There was no uh, earthquake. There was no other things that happened to cause those people to, to die. If you were to take all of them people out, then the people are going to start looking at you, God, and start saying, well, you know, you couldn't deliver them to the promised land like you asked. So, you know, you're not as great as you said, because the word of God and God's uh, power traveled throughout the whole land. And everybody knew who the God of the Israelites were. They all heard of him and they were fearful of the Israelites' gods. They were fearful of who Yahweh was, who God was, uh, who, uh, who he was and how he revealed themselves to, to the rest of the nations around the children of Israel. So Moses was telling him, hey, you know, if you do these things, then it's going to show or seem to those people that you couldn't handle uh what you said you was going to do. So God had to, so Moses had to say that these are your words back in Exodus 34 and 7. Now, back in the, the begin, very beginning, God has said this, and Moses kind of reminded him because there's a such thing as God's anger. God does get angry. So we have to be cognizant of that. We don't want to anger God for whatever situations in our lives. God is, is a God, a good God, and, and God is his great God, and God is a loving God. But God got a temper, and God does get angry with people when they disobey him. And that's because he is God and he can be angry when he want to be. But just don't let him be angry at you for anything that you've done. So he says, Moses says, you have spoken saying, the Lord is long suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgressions. But he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. So see, Moses had to remind him that he was, uh, had spoke to the children of Israel and said that he forgiving iniquity and transgressions and he is long suffering and abundant and mercy. So Moses was essentially uh, reminding God, not that he needed reminding, but just showing God that, okay, God, you told the people of your long suffering, your abundance, uh, mercies, uh, please have mercy on them at, in this point, at this time. And a lot of times we have to, you know, speak, yeah, we have to just get to that place where we could just talk to God in a way where he does Remember the long suffering. Remember the mercy. Remember the forgiving of our iniquities in our lives, because we are all sinners and we are going to sin and we're going to we're going to make God angry with us, just as the children of Israel. But at the at the end of the day, they um, they were able they were able to cross into the promised land, but it wasn't. All of them, those 10 that, that rebelled, those 10 that cried and complained and stuff, it was a new, a remnant of them were able to cross into the, the, the promised land and enjoy the promises of God. And that concludes tonight. I just pray that you all receive a, a good word, something that, that you all can take with you all and to your daily lives to understand speaking over yourself and thinking something, you know, we have to really be careful that we are not setting ourselves up for failure, setting ourselves up for disappointment when we believe that our mouths can dictate uh, all of the actions of this world. You know, I know nowadays the they have these uh, empowerment discussions and saying, "Oh, you can, you can, uh, you can empower yourself. You can speak or change your thought process about everything." Yeah, that's that's the, the the man's way of thinking it. But at the end, we have to have a connection and favor with God in order for those things to happen, because all things work together for 
the good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. This doesn't mean that you have to be saved, sanctified, baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost and, and for God to bless you. It does not mean that you have to have the suits on and go to church every Sunday and, and give a, a million dollars in tithes that you're not supposed to give and an offering and that you are faithful in your service and your ritual to go to church every Sunday. That doesn't mean that. What it means is a relationship, a personal relationship with God, a personal relationship, understanding that Jesus is our savior and Jesus died for our sins and accepting him as our redeemer and our savior. When we are connected on that level, then the Bible says no good thing will God hold, withhold from you. But we have to get to that place where all of our thoughts and wishes and dreams and, and hopes are all passed through God first. It has to pass through him first for his sanctioning, for his blessings, for his approval, for things to, as we say again, manifest and our lives, we can't do the manifestation thing, just start running out there calling out stuff and saying, oh, I want that. That's like that's like you being a, a, a robber and you going into the store and you just going to say, give me your money and then they're going to just give you the money. No, that, that don't work like that. You, you done broke the law. <laughs> you done done something that you ain't supposed to do. So that's why when you go to the bank, you have an ATM card. You have order. The order is you put your ATM card into the ATM machine and you put your passcode in and you get your money. That's the order. Just like with us, when we need something or want something, we go to God. We talk to him. We have our card, which is our faith and our belief and our trust. We have our, we have our thoughts of saying, okay, God, I love you. I built, I'm building a relationship with you. I'm loving you each and every day. I am here in your humble servant. Lord, if it's your will, grant me this. Okay, now you're at the ATM now. Now God says, okay, he put the right passcode in. The passcode is your humility, your grace, your mercy, your love towards him, your relationship with him. That's your passcode, your PIN number. And then God will bless you because he, he, he sees, uh, uh, he finds favor in your life. He finds favor in you. And that's what we need to con uh, consistently Build throughout our lives. And when we get to that place of doing those things for God, first God, then everything else, first relationship with God, then everything else, then all the other stuff will fall into place if it's God's will. So we must not think about speaking a thing and thinking a thing and speaking over ourselves. No, let's speak to God. Let's ask God if it's his will first. And then we can we can rest assured to see and believe and have faith that that God's will is done in our lives. So I'm gonna um, yield if, if someone has anything to say before we close. Amen. We're gonna continue forth. I thank you all for joining us tonight. I thank you all from the bottom of my heart that that everything that we talk tonight would be a help. I pray that what we've talked about and what we discussed about the children of Israel as an example, to be an example for each of us to know, just because the 10 says no, that doesn't mean that's God's will. If the 10 says no, then we need to continue to trust and believe that God is still with us in the midst of everything. Just because it looked bad doesn't mean it's bad. Just because it it it, it looks like it's unbearable or un, un, unattainable, that does not mean it's not God's will. We can always because if if we can't see it, that doesn't mean that it cannot happen in God. If we can't believe it, that doesn't mean that it's not God's will. We just have to be in alignment and in good fellowship with him to be able to ask him if it's his will. And if it's his will, he'll be there. 
he'll, he'll keep you. He'll, he'll sustain you. He'll bless you. And we just have to be in his will. So I want to say good night, everyone. I thank you. And God bless you all. And I pray, please feel free to reach out to us by email or text. Uh, we are always available for prayer. We're always available to talk and to be of service. We love you and God bless you. And we thank you. So I'm going to close with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for another day. We thank you, Father, that you have been so good to us. We thank you, Lord, that you have kept us. We thank you for the understanding and the revelation to know that first we have to always trust and believe in you for all things. Then everything else we have to humbly ask you. We cannot declare and we cannot force you to do anything just because we speak it out of our mouths. But in all humility and thanksgiving, we make our petition made known to you and we pray that you are granted. We love you, Lord, and we thank you and we bless your name. We ask you those that are under the sound of my voice, we ask you to bless them, Lord. We ask you, Lord, humbly to, to see about them, Lord, to keep them, to watch over them, Lord. If it's your will, to bless them with the blessings that they need. And Lord, we walk by faith and we believe that you can do all things. And Lord, we just ask you to find favor in our lives today so that you may grant these wishes and these petitions. We ask you, Lord, to keep us safe, protect us until we meet again. These and all the blessings we ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 So I thank you all for joining. And again, like I say, if, if you... Feel free to reach out to us. Feel free to leave a comment on the uh, comment uh, section and subscribe to us on YouTube. We are available. We are here as Reflections of Grace Outreach Ministries. We are here every week and we'd love to hear your responses and comments. And for that said, we want to say good night to you and God bless. Good night. Thanks for having us. I really enjoyed everything as usual. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm glad you enjoyed it, Keisha. So <laughs> I just I thank you. Most definitely. And um you all have a good night. Okay. We love you. Love y'all too. too. Have a great week. Okay. Good night. All right. Good night. <laughs>